Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. There are many moments in our life where, uh, where we kind of make decisions that change everything. We, there's like a before and after. It's like um, buying a car. There's the, the, before you bought the car and after you bought the car. Uh, if you bought it on finance, there's like before when you had money in your pocket and there's after when you don't anymore, <laughs> but you have a car. <laughs> and you're kind of like, well... And uh, there's, there's a time when you, 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 you moved into a house. You've got a new house. You've got somewhere to live. There's a before and an after. Uh, there's a before and after. Probably the ultimate before and after is having a baby. Yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, I'm talking to you. And... Uh, and um, so when you, when you have a baby, there's a definite before and after. Actually, once, once you've got the baby, you can't quite remember what it was like before. Um, because now time, everything changes. You have a before and after. In John's Gospel, um, chapter 10, Jesus said this. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So we're doing this series, The Extra Mile. And, and The Extra Mile is, is, is going where Christ has commanded us to go. We spoke, um, I spoke about um, two or three weeks ago on The Extra Mile. That We started the series by discovering that that everything that is in the kingdom of God is found in the extra mile. Not the first mile, the second mile. The moment we step into the extra mile, we're now in charge. That The whole premise of the extra mile is this. Jesus says, if someone commands you to go one mile, if it would be a Roman sort of law, they could command you to go a mile, carry their junk. And uh, they could command you to go a mile, but Jesus says, when you go the mile, go the next mile. Go an extra mile. Because the moment you go an extra mile, you're now no longer under compulsion, but you're the one setting the agenda. You're the one who's in charge of the environment. Mm -hmm. Before, they were oppressing you, but but now you're blessing them. You're completely flipping the environment by going the extra mile. The extra mile is the most important faith life that we can understand in terms of how we access the things of God and and where God is is moving. But the extra mile is always found after the first mile, which is a hard moment. And so here we have in in John's Gospel, Jesus said, um, John's Gospel, chapter chapter 10, and in fact, before you get to verse 9, where he says, I am the door, he speaks about how um, that the thieves come by entering through windows. That if a thief comes, he, he comes and he enters by a window. So in other words, what he's saying is that thieves can come into the life we live and they can come, but they don't come through the door who is Jesus Christ. So in other words, it's possible to, to deceptively enter into the environment of the kingdom of God, but not do so through Christ. Yeah. 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 Jesus said, look, the thief comes. Thieves come 
to, in fact, let me, let me just read this here. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pull this up. Um, and uh, let me just read to you before because I just feel I'm, I'm ad-libbing a lot tonight. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trusting the Holy Ghost and I just know he wants to do something here. Um, and um, verse 7, he says, And Jesus said, Most assuredly, I said to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And so here we see that Jesus is speaking, and he's saying, look, the enemy wants to come into your world and steal what you have that he is blessing you with. He wants to come and steal from you. But Jesus says, I am the door. So in other words, the door is a place we enter where the enemy cannot come. All right, the door is a place where we can enter into. It's a before and after. Before I entered Christ and after. Now, once I've entered through the door, I can come in and out. Now, I don't go out of Christ, but once I've entered into the door, I now have Christ with me at all times. Does that make sense to you? Heidi's taking a photo, so I'm going to pause. Because every time she takes a photograph of you, any, any person who's preaching, right, and they take a photograph, when they post a picture, you have a face like this. <laughs> it's dreadful. So, <laughs> so whenever I see a camera, I just like... <laughs> make it look like I'm preaching. And so what happens is that we have to understand that the thief comes... To rob from us, but Christ came that we may enter into an abundance of life. So the enemy comes to try and take from us the the limited things that we have. He comes to steal from us, to steal what he has. But Christ has come that we might enter into him, that we may have an abundance. So... To understand the whole principle of stepping in to the abundance of the kingdom of God, we have to understand that there is a, as it says in Isaiah, we're speaking on this morning, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that there is an understanding which is released over our lives that empowers us to live and step into the abundance who is Jesus Christ. Now, what I want to show you tonight is, is quite. What I want to. <laughs> You've got to train them. <laughs> and what I want to show you is to gain access to the kingdom of God, to step into Christ, we have to know what it is that empowers us to live in the abundance of Him. Yeah. How many of you find yourself kind of frustrated that you read the kingdom of God in the Bible and it's just packed full of 
punchy promises and miracles and and a life of just extraordinary transformation and then you measure it with your life (laughs) and it doesn't measure are you with me here so we have to know that the kingdom of Jesus said you will as you enter into me you will enter into pastures that you can feed from pastures are the are the sustenance of God that gives you life. You can enter into a Christ and enter into him. He will feed you with an abundance of life that empowers everything that is placed upon your heart. So how do I then explain? How do I then deal with? Because with, with every promise you get from God, there is nearly always a check in our heart with, yeah, but what about? Whenever you get a promise from God, you get a promise from God, but your mind is going, yeah, but what about? And it's not that you don't believe the word. You're just struggling with all the connotations and all the the principles and all the different issues. You're just struggling with those things. And your mind is going, yeah, but what about? I've had many prophetic words over my life. And and some of them have been so extraordinary. And my mind is going, I receive it. But what about? (laughs) Because I... I'm living in the, in the limitations of my natural life. And God is saying, through this door, there is extraordinary, uh, extra, extraordinary abundance. So that this is what I want to do in your life. But, and, and you're going, yeah, but what about? Because your experience of life is of the enemy's taking. Mm-hmm. And there are things that you, you, want, you want those things resolved. It's like when something's been taken from you, you, you want it resolved. God, I, I, I don't know how to live this life because I've experienced loss and, and, and your word doesn't speak of loss. It speaks of promise, yeah, yeah. speaks of abundance. How do, I, how, do I, how do I marry the two together? How do I deal with that? And what happens is this, is that in our trials, we become stationary. Right? We become stationary. We go, God, I, I, I don't know what I, I don't know how to do this. How many of you know what I'm talking about yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And we become stationary. But here's the problem Jesus said, I am the door. He who enters by me enters into a life of abundance. Right? He said, I am the door. But you can't enter a door stationary. Yeah, so good. You can't. Wherever your life is at right now, the door is not coming to you. You must go to the door. Jesus said, I'm the door. He who enters. Not if you you wait long enough, the door will come to you. Doors (laughs) never come to you. Right? You walked in here, you walked through the door. The door didn't come to meet you. Wherever you are, it's like, you must enter the door, so you must create. There has to be momentum and direction for you to discover the promises of God. But what happens with our heart and life in that what about question is that we start slowing down because we're unsure 
of our circumstances. We're unsure of the promises. There's a little bit of a, it's like driving when you're looking at, you don't know where you're going. And, and so you start driving and eventually, if you're completely lost, you stop. Because you're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to keep driving. So you stop somewhere. And, and sometimes there is a moment in our lives where the trials and troubles of life are so great that we just put on a stop and go, God, I need your help. And God's going, I'm here, you need to enter. But we're going, I don't want to go anywhere, I want you to come and rescue me. I want you to rescue me. Guess what? He ain't coming. Oh, I can hear the place just like they want to kill me right now. He he ain't coming. Why is he not coming? He already came. He already came. He's already rescued you, by the way. He's already dealt with that problem. He's already dealt with the issues. That's that's already dealt with. He already came. He just needs you now to come to him. Because he set a stand. He set a door. And he said, he who enters through the door. And to enter through the door, you must have have momentum and you must have direction. I remember in 1995, Sharon and I, uh, we drove up here. Um, to find a house to live in um, before we planted the church. And, and um, we were up here for a weekend and we decided to go to cinema and they had Apollo 13 playing at the cinema at the end of the road. Who remembers the cinema down that's now the Nuffield Health Club? You remember it, Chess. And uh, so um, they had a cinema. It's now the Nuffield... Um, is it, do you call it Nuffield? It's, I think so, yeah. It's a really weird name, right, isn't it? And, and they got this house club, but it used to be a cinema, and they were, playing, they were playing Apollo 13. And the thing with Apollo 13, I don't, most of you, I'm guessing most of you have seen it at some point, right? But Apollo 13 is this, the, they were in a crippled um, spaceship that was trying to find its way back to Earth, but had very little power and very little ability to do anything with, with what they had. But here's the thing, right? They had momentum. They had momentum. They just had to steer direction. You see, you see, if you take your, if you, you just got to take your foot off the brake and you've got to start pushing back into God by just worshiping Him, it will give you momentum. Now you need direction. Now you need direction. And here's the thing. The direction isn't toward your problem. Direction is not toward your problem. Every time you pray about your problem, it's your problem that you're looking at. You know that when you walk, if you're walking down the road and you're looking at something over there, you know what happens? You walk towards the thing that you're, you're veering towards the thing that you look at. It is impossible to walk in a direction with your eye on something else and not veer in that place so that you're now no longer. I remember doing this when Cheryl and I were, were, were going out. Um, I was, what, 19, 20, and uh, we were walking down in this town called Eastbourne, walking down, and this, the shop caught my... There's something, I can't even remember what the shop was. The shop was just illuminated. It was an evening time. We were going to get some chips and we're walking down the street and there's a gang of us youth. It was a, it was a terrible moment in my life. And uh, we're walking down and I see the shop and I'm just looking at the shop 
and it's just like that classic child moment where the children forget to look, that you don't realise that you can't just walk like this. And, uh, and I just walked square, straight into a post, and it was just like, oh, no. And there's this, this, this deep sort of clang. It's the, the, the embarrassment is the fact that the pole is almost laughing at you because it's going... <laughs> and we spend our lives walking into, into poles and post because we're constantly looking in the direction of our problem and not looking towards Christ are you with me here the Bible says let the the eyes of your understanding in Ephesians 1 um, Heidi was reading that before we started Ephesians 1 the eyes of your understanding will have illumination will have revelation the eyes of your understanding will see well what will you see i tell you what you see you look towards our savior jesus christ you look towards him and what you do is you step into this place that empowers you to be able to find the kingdom of god because now i've got momentum well what is what is the momentum that you should have it says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to 5 it says therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand rejoice in hope of the glory of God and not only that but we also glory this is where the verse just goes all wrong right it was great up to this point. But I don't know what Paul got into Paul, right? He, and then he goes, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. That sounds like a problem to me, not a, <laughs> not a blessing, doesn't it? And character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So Paul is writing to the Roman church and he's saying, look, we have access to God by faith. But while we are focusing our eyes on it, we see all these tribulations and trials and all of these things. But as we focus our faith in Christ, none of these things are relevant. What is relevant is the hope is birthed within us, which releases a vision and identity of what you're called to be. Without hope, you'll never know who you're called to be. Every person suffering from depression has one thing missing. Hope. That's that's the missing ingredient. It's hope. Hope gets taken, and suddenly you're no longer able to see a life that is beautiful, that's beneficial, and people start to close in on themselves because hope is lost. Hope is one of the most important things that you'll ever put into your spirit, and you do so by faith in Christ. Now listen, if I have access, access is a place that I can enter, and faith is what gives me momentum What then, (laughs) 
<laughs> there's always this moment, right, when there's a little pause and you can hear a child's voice and the parents particularly are the ones that turn around and, and they're convinced that everyone else is hearing it. But everyone else is now hearing it because I'm talking about it. <laughs> but until that point, probably most people never even noticed. Right. So here's the thing. If faith is my momentum, what then is faith? What's faith? Faith is believing God. Yeah, but what's that? It's a fair question, isn't it? Because you say, you must believe God. Yeah, but what is that? I mean, tell me what it is. Suddenly, you're lost for words. Well, it's believing. Yeah, but what is believing? What is that that creates momentum? What is faith that leads me into the presence of God? What is faith that empowers me to enter into the door? What is it that leads me into his presence where I can feed on the pastures of God and draw on everything he's got for me? What is faith? One of the hardest things you'll ever discover about your own life. But what I, what I want you to see is this. Faith is simply modelling Christ in your life. All right? So what, what is faith? Well, faith is believing. J- James, James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. A lot of Christians don't like the idea that works produces faith because it's, it's we're not saved by works, we're saved by faith. But I'm not talking about works like doing this. I'm talking about revealing Christ. Yeah. Faith produces a work. Yeah. All right? So what is faith? Faith is a work then, isn't it? All right? It's faith that reveals the work on the inside. But what's the work? It's the modelling of Christ in your life. Well, what is modelling Christ? Well, what did Christ do? And he walked down the street and he was touched by those people who were broken and lost and he healed them. He was the one who challenged the religious. He was the one who had compassion. He gave his life that we might have liberty. It's modelling Christ, right? Paul... Paul he discovered what it was to model Christ. And so he said to other people, imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. It's a pretty good pattern. If you follow this, you're going to live a life of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So if you live a life of faith by modeling who you are and imitating Christ, Jesus, he said, Paul said to imitate me. Do these things, model these things, and you will discover faith. I, I discovered when uh, we were training for ministry that um, uh, we were training for ministry how to, how to pray for the sick and heal the sick. And, and you would see, they would, um, the pastor would come up. And in those days, we used to slap people a lot on foreheads. And uh, we don't do it so much now. And, uh, but, uh, you, <laughs> we are a few. And, uh, yeah, but I'm just going to, this is like the old days, right? So, so. <laughs> So, so yeah, t- yeah, turn the other cheek, yeah. Go the extra mile, James. 
And, and so we would go, and the pastor, the pastor, this is how you, you heal the sick, right? And you, and you slap them like that, and you, and you pray in Jesus' name. So, so what did we do? We, we didn't know what we were doing. So we would just go up, and we would slap them, and, and punch them, and, and no, we didn't. All right, I'm exaggerating. I am exaggerating. But we would just model, we would, we would do what we had been told to do, walking in faith, and we were desperate for God. And we saw people here that had no idea what we were doing. We saw people healed, miracles, just extraordinary things. And we were doing so, we were modeling the works of Christ by imitating the pastors who had done the same thing. And we discovered that we were stepped into an abundance that God had got for us. But if you're not doing anything, you're not going anywhere. If you're not giving of your life, then your life is stationary. And if it's stationary, you're not entering into the door that is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Are you with me here? Yeah. Here's the thing. Many people say, well, surely just giving, entering into the door is giving your life to Jesus. Absolutely. If you give your life to Jesus, you're, you're entering into the door. But if you give your life to Jesus, but you don't do anything, you didn't give your life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Hello. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, they, they gave their life to Jesus. They're, they're definitely born again. Jesus said in Matthew 25, another really troubling scripture. There's lots of troubling scriptures. bothers me. <laughs> Matthew 25, Jesus says, he says, and in that day, they will, Jesus will separate. Heavenly Father will separate the sheep from the goats no one wants to be a goat right um they're entertaining but they go to hell so <laughs> all goats go to hell so. <laughs> okay that's why we eat sheep we don't eat it's not good to put goat meat eat goat meat it's not good <laughs> this is not i'm just messing with you right oh yeah <laughs> i mean oj's probably eaten hundreds of goats right haven't you yeah <laughs> you <laughs> He's probably got a goat farm back in Nigeria. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're just killing them for fun. I don't know. <laughs> I remember having a conversation with OJ and, and CJ, and we were asking about the best way of killing a goat, actually. And they were, and they were <laughs> you use a knife or a gun. I'm not telling you how the conversation went. But it wasn't politically correct. <laughs> And Jesus says that they will she- separate the sheep from the goats. And what makes the sheep and the goats? Because the sheep are unaware of what made them a sheep to some degree. They're kind of like, and the goats are like, well, they think they're saved too. They think they're saved too. So that's a bit troubling. That's troubling in itself, isn't it? It's troubling. So what separated them? And and Jesus says, look, when I was in prison to the sheep, he's speaking. He said, when I was in prison, you came to see me. When I was sick, you came to minister to me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And they say, Lord, when when did we visit you? I don't remember. He says, when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. 
You know what that's called? That's called works. So they were saved by what they did or didn't do. And the, the opposite story is the goats. They go, but Lord, when were you? And you didn't do it to the least of my brethren. So who are the saved? Well, that's not for me to decide. As for you to ask within your heart, if you give your life to Jesus, are you modeling the life? Or are you stationary waiting for the life to come to you? I wish I had something nicer to say to you. I go, <laughs> make, make people feel, oh, that was so lovely. It was inspiring. <laughs> I, 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 I want you to know this, right? Jesus wants you to do something. Yeah. He wants you to model it. He wants you to enter into the fullness of his promise. Jesus said, I am the door. Come and enter, enter into Christ. Well, how do I enter into Christ? I enter into him by being like him. Well, what was he like? Well, he just took opportunity to love everyone that was around him, yeah. minister truth, and do what he could and give of himself. But I gave my life to Jesus. Well, there you go then. What is stopping you from praying for the sick? Yeah. Gave your life to Jesus. Then do what Jesus did. Yeah. Well, how do I pray for the sick? Well, when you're with someone who is suffering who is unwell, just, oh, I'm going to pray for you. Do you mind if I just pray? I'm going to pray God heals you. Yeah. I'm, going to, I'm believing God. You're going to get better. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything else. Mm-hmm. I remember praying with a lady in Denmark, in a town called Herning, and um, we'd been ministering for two weeks solid, and this is the very last person I prayed for. She came up and afterwards and, and she said, I, I don't have a womb and I want a baby. She's a young lady. And I was, by that point, my, my, I was so physically tired that, and my faith, and I hadn't, we hadn't seen a lot of miracles that night. We hadn't seen a lot of people that were demonstrably healed. And it, there were specifically healing meetings, so it's a bit awkward, right? <laughs> you have healing meetings. Everyone will be healed. No one gets healed. We didn't say everyone would get healed. That would be stupid. <laughs> we just said Jesus heals and trusted people would. So, but we, it was like, you know, we were just praying for people to get, get healed. And um, it, was, it got down to, have you got a sore head? That kind of thing. Um, and then she comes and she delivers this bombshell. It's like, but we're called to model Christ. Step into. So I just prayed for her and I just prayed that she would be healed. I can't think of a, a more important issue than that. Anyway, I forgot all about it, to be honest. And I came back to the same church a year later this woman came marching up to me with a three month old baby and I didn't recognize her at first she said do you remember me she said I came to you because I needed prayer I needed a miracle because I couldn't get pregnant I didn't have a womb this is my baby isn't that see what did I do 
Well, I didn't make the baby right. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Things a pastor should never say. You would have thought after all these years I would know. But I know people thinking that, right? I, just, I could see it in your mind. You're going, oh. I, I was just there, right? Just willing to agree. It, it probably wasn't... It, it, the faith was probably nothing to do with me at all. It was her faith. She just needed someone to agree with, to give her that sense of agreement. That's why agreement is so powerful. All you have to be is that person to agree with. Mm. At the very least, agree with people who want something mm. yeah. from God yeah. and give them enough courage to walk themselves momentum into the supernatural power of God, who is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. Let me just read that to you one more time. I, want, I just want to read that to you. I've got so many scriptures I didn't use. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. See, we've got to enter in and then we've got to keep coming in and out of Jesus Christ. You come into his presence. The Bible says in Deuteronomy that we're blessed going in and we're blessed going out. We think the kingdom of God is about going out to preach the gospel, but we go out to preach the gospel, but we come in to get fed. You come in to get fed with Christ and you go out to him and minister and speak and encourage and love, bring a word of insight and wisdom. It's not always prayer. It's not always a miracle. In fact, probably most of the time it isn't. Most of the time it's a word of wisdom and encouragement. I just want to speak this out over you. I really believe that God wants to do something very special in this place. He wants to do something special in this city. And he wants everyone to know that there is something that God wants to do. Um, He wants to do something very, very special. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.